Before I read it, though, I want to pray, and then we'll jump into it. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that as I speak, that it's not my words, but your words, Father God. I pray that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, uh, and I'm going to read through all of it. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee, Judea, as well as from Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof, they took off some tiles, then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith... Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. I want to show you something really cool here. It says, uh, the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, they're talking in their mind. They didn't say it out loud. You know, they're talking to themselves. It says, so it says, but the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, uh, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. This is so cool. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He was reading their minds, right? You thought that was just in the movies, right? He, they're thinking this and he hears what they're thinking. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately everyone watched. The man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. Now, this is a pretty short story uh, in the New Testament in the book of Luke. Uh, It doesn't even take up a whole page in your Bible, right? And they only spend about a verse talking about these guys and what they did. It says they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof, took off some tiles, then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus, Now, I taught this in Ground Zero, and I asked them some questions. I'm going to have four questions for you uh, towards the end of the message. And so I'm reading this story, and I want you to understand what these men did and what they went through to get in front of Jesus, to get face-to-face with Jesus. Right And how they went out and they climbed up on the roof. First of all, they showed up. The crowd's too big. They can't get inside. They can't make it inside the doorway. You know, you you could imagine that this afternoon, if I got up and said, hey, Jesus is in town, right? He's going to be over at Pastor Vicky, you know, Pastor Rusty and Miss Vicky's house after lunch. And Jesus is going to be there. We're going to set up in the kitchen and he'll be there, right? Everybody in town would be there. Right? The, the house would be crammed full. Every room would be crammed full. People would be spilled out. We'd have to open windows so people could hear through the windows out into the yard. And it was the same way back then. He was healing people, raising people from the dead, everybody, you know, walking on water, turning two fish into feeding 5,000 people. I mean, this guy was doing crazy stuff. And so everybody shows up to see him, to get face to face with Jesus. And these men, they try to get their friend in there, but they can't because the crowd's so big. The crowd's so big, they can't get in. So they climb up onto the roof, dig a hole, and lower him down. Now you can imagine, 
I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a small hole. It had to be big enough for a man laying on a mat to be lowered down in. Right, you can imagine right now if on the roof somebody started cutting a hole trying to get down in. Right, everybody start freaking out. Right, dust starts falling. You think, what, what, what's that? You know, and then you hear hammering and and the metal being pulled back and stuff ripped out, and then you know, all of a sudden a hand sticks through. Right, you'd either think it's Jesus or the devil. You wouldn't know what to do. Right, you wouldn't know where to go. So you, you know, everybody in that house has to be thinking. You know, the guy has him over and he's sitting there, and man, Jesus is in my house. And all of a sudden, some dust starts falling. It's like, what, what is, what is that? Then all of a sudden, you know, some people start coming through the roof. Yeah. I mean, you know how crazy that is? They go to some guy's house. They don't even know. They got this guy on a mat and they're like, well, we can't get in the house. So let's get on the roof. We'll cut a hole and we'll lower him down inside. I mean, that, that is some desire. That is some perseverance of wanting to get in front of Jesus. Now I want to read you Luke 11 and Jesus is telling a story here. This is Luke 11 uh, verse five. It says, then Jesus teaching more about prayer. He used this story. So suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, waiting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he wouldn't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now here's what I love about this story. First of all, think about its simplicity. Right, you know, to us in our minds, Jesus is a super religious guy, right? I mean, he's the son of God, he defeats death, and so kind of in our minds, it's like everything that Jesus said uh, was just complicated, and you think, man, I can't read my Bible, and he's like, all right, let me break it down. Got a friend comes over at midnight, you need some bread, you knock on the neighbor door, it's midnight, right? Can you imagine somebody beating on your door at midnight, hey, you got a loaf of bread I could borrow? It's like, dude, go to all subs, leave me alone. What are, you, what are you doing? You know? And so you're, you're, you're in bed and you yell out and you're like, go away. You know, we're in bed. What are you doing knocking on the door? You know, especially growing up in a pastor's house, you know, if, it, if the phone rings after 10 o'clock or someone knocks on the door, it's never good. It's always bad. And so, you know, anytime my phone rings late at night, I always think, what's wrong? What's wrong? What happened? Uh, because people are always calling your house. And so it's kind of like, man, he's like, man, go away. But if you, you know, you just stand up there and just keep knocking, I need bread, I need bread, I need bread, right? He says, finally, he'll get up and say, here's a loaf of bread, go home, right? And Jesus uses this as an example for prayer. I mean, it's just so simple and so simplistic. And we see the same, these two stories align, this, this idea from the second story being applied in the first story. So I have four questions for you. My first question is are you willing, you personally, asking yourself, only you, are you willing to tear through the roof to get face-to-face with Jesus? Are you willing to tear through the roof to get face-to-face with Jesus? Now think about this for a minute. The crowd was too big. They showed up to this house. I'm sure the crowd poured out into the yard. They're trying to get in. I'm sure it says, it says in there that they tried to get in. They got a guy, they get, you know, tap on the guy on the back shoulder. Uh, Hey, we got a guy who's sick. We need to get in. It's a bunch of Christians. And they're like, I got here early for this seat. You're here late. You're not getting in. 
right? You know, they're trying to get in. It's crowded and it's like, you know, you know, you know how you get to church early and you save your seat and someone comes in and it's like, you know, they want your seat and you're mad, right? Nothing makes Christians matter than when someone gets your seat or, you know, you, you come early, you put your Bible in your seat you go get you some coffee. And when you come back, somebody moved your Bible, right? It's like, there's a special place in hell for those people, right? Like that you would move my Bible. It's like, I saved that stinking seat, right? You know, camp is the worst. Something comes out in a youth pastor that when he gets camp, you're like, my hundred kids are sitting on the front stinking row. And they're like, no, my kids are, I will break your neck. Get out of the way. They had to totally revamp the way you save seats at camp because it got so violent. And so you know, these guys are like, hey, we, we need to get in. You know, can we get in? And like, Nobody would let him in, right? Everybody, you know, and so I'm sure they had to step back. You know, the guy's laying on the mat. He can't move. He's paralyzed. I mean, you think he just said like, hey, guys, we tried. Let's just go home. I'm tired. You know, it's crowded. Let's just get out of here. Let's go home, right? One of the friends could have said, man, I, I hear, t- you know, tomorrow night, he's going to be right down the road. We'll try to get there early tomorrow night. Right, but but none of this happens. They sit around. I always think the conversation had to be so so interesting. You know, the, the four gather up. Right, okay, we can't get in. How else do we get in? Uh, let's put him through a window. Can't fit through the windows. Maybe we could crowd surf him in. Nope, ceiling's too low. And then some guy with a bright idea. You know, it's probably the friend that they kind of contemplated not inviting because he's a little edgy. You know, it's like ah, you sure you can come? And he's like, let's cut a hole in the roof. Right? Who comes up with that kind of idea? Right, everybody, you probably can think of a friend who would come up with the idea, dude, I brought a hammer, let's cut through the roof. And they're like, okay, okay, this could work, this could work, let's give it a try. Think about a man on a map who's paralyzed, who can't help you at all, and trying to lift him up onto the roof. Right, I assume that two guys had to go up first, they probably had ropes on it because they were carrying him, and the two guys down, and they handed it up, and then they get him up on the roof. Think how he had to be willing to do that. They're like, okay, bro, uh, we're going to cut a hole in the roof, and we're going to lower you down. People are like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Think how offensive it must have been to, I mean, I, I just think about it. Someone, you know, people walk on our grass and we're mad. You know, like, get off the yard! You know? It's like, you know, a, a cat walks across your yard like, sweetie, give me the shotgun! The, the big one! Right? Because it's like, there's a cat in my yard. So all of a sudden they start cutting through the roof and you have to ask yourself, how willing are you to tear through the roof to get face to face with Jesus? They didn't let anything keep them from getting him in front of Jesus, right? They thought, we're going to cut through the roof. We're going to drop you down right in front of him. And there's other people inside, you know, the roof, and then the light shines through. And they're like, oh, shoot, the ghost is here, right? You know, Holy Spirit, light, everything. And then some guy starts lowering down. I mean, and they get him down in front of him because they needed a miracle. They weren't going to give up. I love it because it's like it was too crowded. They couldn't get in. That didn't stop them. Well, I'm like, well, let's, let's go home. Let's try, we'll try next week. So the first question is, are you willing to tear through the roof to get face to face with Jesus? The second question is, do you have four friends in your life that are willing to tear through the roof to get you face to face with Jesus? Right? He had four friends that were willing to go through all of this to get him in front of Jesus. And do you have four friends in your life? I mean, you may need to shrink it down. Do you have one friend in your life that's willing to go to those lengths to get you face-to-face with Jesus? And maybe you do. I mean, in ground zero, you know, this is a huge thing. Talking to kids about their friends. Pastor Rusty always says that friends are like elevators. They'll either take you up or take you down. 
right? And you have to take a hard look. Now, the thing about Tulia, even the surrounding areas, we have kids that come from Nazareth and, and other places. These are all really small communities, right? They're small towns. A lot of kids at school, their friends, their best friends are also their cousins. It's also their brothers and sisters. And it's like, well, you know, you know it's hard to get up and say, hey, you need to get these friends out of your life. Now, listen to me. There are toxic relationships in your life that probably with some people that it's a very small group of people that you do need to get out of your life. There are toxic relationships that are just not healthy and you need to get rid of. But see, it's not always about just getting rid of, well, you're a bad friend, you're bad, you're, you're bad, you're bad, you know, get away from me. What it's about is I'm going to bring in some good friends. I'm going to bring in some Christian friends to surround me that I can call when I'm feeling down, that I can call when I'm feeling sick, that I can call, uh, you know, in the middle of the night when my baby's crying and I need some encouragement or I need some prayer. I've got these four friends in my life that when I'm in the hospital, this is who I'm calling, right? When my, when my grandparent passes away and I've got a funeral, this is who I'm calling. I have these friends around me that are willing to do whatever it takes to get me face to face with Jesus, Right, and it's a simplicity of someone who invites you to church. That if you weren't here today, a group of friends that would call and say, "Hey, where were you?" Right, a, a group of friends saying, "Hey, th- there's a Christian concert. You know, Hillsong's going to be in Amarillo, and let's all go." Or, "Hey, th- you know, Trinity and Amarillo's doing church four nights in a row. Let's all go." And you have that group of friends that is willing to get you face to face with Jesus. And you have to take a hard look at your life. And do you have those? And think how these guys, you know, tearing through the roof, it's, it's dangerous. They're destroying property. It's offensive. Right? But that didn't stop them because they knew that Jesus had what that man needed. And you want to have some friends in your life that, that know the same, that are willing to do the same. That when you get together, you know, where does the conversation go? It doesn't mean you don't have fun. doesn't mean you don't laugh and cut up. But do you ever talk about the things of God? Is it easy to talk about that? Right? So what I'm telling you, I'm not telling you that, oh, you got to go home and get rid of all your friends. You call your cousin. You know, I'm not friends with you anymore because you're a heathen. Right? <laughs> you just go and you just pray for them. Right? You know? And, and that you bring in some friends. That maybe it's friends from church. Maybe it's friends from a, a Bible study. And that you have those friends and those people that you can talk to. So question one, are you willing to tear through the roof to get face-to-face with Jesus yourself? Do you have four friends that are willing to tear through the roof? Question number three, are you the type of friend that will tear through the roof to get your friends face-to-face with Jesus? Are you the type of friend and what I, what I love about this story is one of the biggest things in our culture is I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, I, I, we don't want to be offensive. We just all want to get along, you know. It's like you can be any religion in this country you want, but don't be too radical of a Christian because that's offensive, right? And then the next one is, well, it's awkward. I don't want to talk to them about Jesus. It's uncomfortable, right? It's awkward. I don't want to do that. Are you the type of friend that is willing to tear through the roof to do something that's awkward, that's offensive, that's outside the box, that isn't normal to get someone in front of Jesus? And are you willing to step out of your comfort zone to do that? I always tell the kids in ground zero, and I I would always think this at school, you know, you're sitting in math class and there's a kid sitting next to you in class and you 
apply this to work or uh, any situation. And, you know, they're not really, you're not really friends with them. You're acquaintances. You know them. And then I imagine myself at the end of the world. I'm in heaven standing before Jesus and right next to me in line is that person. And someone I kind of knew at school, someone I kind of knew at work, and they call my name out of the book of life, and I get to go in, and they get to their name, and as I'm walking, I'm kind of listening, trying to, to see, are they going to get in, and they don't call their name. And for them to look at me and say, you must have absolutely hated me. You must have despised me, that you wouldn't tell me about this place. That you wouldn't lean over in class, that you wouldn't lean over at work or at a break or at lunch and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Because when you die, you have two choices. And do you know where you're going to go? Well, that, that was uncomfortable. You were kind of a weird person, right? I didn't, I, I didn't want to do that. It was awkward. Sorry you're going to hell, right? I mean, I don't want to do that. I don't want to stand before God and have that happen because I was uncomfortable or because I didn't want to make a scene, right? I didn't want to do anything where, where, where people are looking at me. I mean, you know, when they cut the hole in the roof, everybody in there is like looking up. Those four guys lowering him down. Hey, don't I work with you? What are you, what are you doing up there? Right? And are you, are you willing to get face-to-face? Do you have friends that are willing to help you get there? And are you the friend that's going to get your friends there? You know, Dad was, was teaching the series on all things new and the renewed earth and how Jesus said, I'm going to make all things new. And he said, I'm going to restore the earth and we're going to live there. And the Bible talks about a thousand-year reign of Christ. Um, and when Jesus returns after a certain period of time, he'll, he'll be on the earth and he'll rule for a thousand years. So we kind of started joking about living for a thousand years. Think if we lived to be a thousand years. Think of instead of the average lifespan of 90 to maybe a hundred, if it was a thousand. When you were a hundred years old, you'd only be 10 years old. That's kind of the same equivalent it would be. Think how long that is. Right? And so this life time that we have is very, very short when you think about compared to a thousand year lifetime. You know, I've always thought, you know, as a kid, you know, when you get saved, you know, how, you know, raise our hands, you know, you receive Christ and then poof, you disappear and go to heaven. I mean, I mean, it's like, wouldn't that just be so much more easy? You know, it's boom, you're gone. You're in heaven. Right. And it's like, when you get saved, you just go straight to heaven. And I always kind of thought, you know, what's the point of sitting on earth? Because we have to help other people, right? We have to be willing to tear through the roof and get somebody else down in front of Jesus. And it's not just about us, which leads me to my fourth question, is are we the type of church that is willing to tear through the roof to get people face-to-face with Jesus? Are we the type of church? Now, generally what happens in church is, is we have a face-to-face experience. Kids at camp, you know, can have a face-to-face at camp. And kids can point out in the auditorium, like I was sitting in third row, fourth chair in, and God spoke to me or God revealed himself to me. And they have these face-to-face experiences. And then what we want to do is, is we want to relive that moment over and over and over again, right? Because it felt good. God showed up in our lives and we want to do it again and again and again, right? The story of the roof, they didn't go do it again the next weekend. You know, oh, you know, Jesus says, oh, there's them Five guys digging holes in roofs, you know, because it worked so good the first time. 
they got what they needed, right? They got their miracle. And what happens in churches is we want to relive that moment over and over. So what happens is church turns into, it's all about me. Think about all the people in the house. It was all about them. Hey, we got a guy who's paralyzed. Can we get in? No, no, you can't get in. I'm not moving. I, I'm standing right here. He's paralyzed. I, I can see Jesus right there. Can I just get in? No, you can't get in. Get out of here. Right? And that's what we do in church. That's what we move into. Right? And it's all about us. The temperature, it's too hot, it's too cold. You know, you have Goldilocks faith. Right? Nothing's just right. And what happens is, you know, the four guys on the roof didn't get in front of Jesus. Just the friend did. They were still outside. When you get face to face, you got to run out, get on the roof, start tearing back more tiles and help some other people get in. Right? And it's not about me getting in and, oh, I hope they play my favorite song. There's nothing wrong with having a favorite song. But, you know, when they don't play it, you're like, oh, we're doing this again. Right? And that's what it turns into. You know, when they got up there to tear through the roof, you know, it's dirty work. It's laborious. I've never roofed a day in my life, but, but pastor did when he was younger. And he says it's the hardest job he's ever had. And so tearing that off and tearing down and getting down in there and ripping tiles. And I'm sure there was, you know, like layers of mud and straw and all that stuff trying to keep that roof on there. And they're trying to rip through it. And as a church, are we willing to do that to get people face to face? You know, it was outside the box. It wasn't normal. It wasn't like, oh, third time this has happened this week. We better start meeting outside and quit meeting in houses. Everybody's getting their roofs ripped off. No, this is just a one-time deal. Right? And it's like, are we willing to do that? And it may be offensive. It may be thinking outside the box. It may not be normal, but we're going to do whatever it takes to get people face to face with Jesus. Because see, that's when real life change happens. You look at Paul on the road to Damascus. He's out killing Christians. And what happens? Jesus shows up. Dude goes blind, falls on the ground. His life was radically changed. There's a couple of boys out on the lake fishing. All of a sudden, a guy walks by on the shoreline and says, hey, come follow me. When Jesus showed up, their lives were changed. And are we willing to do the same thing in church? And that it's not about me. I'm going to start tearing some shingles off, right? I'm going to start tearing some roof back. I'm going to start inviting my friends. I'm going to start, you know, telling, you know, uh, so I can't even remember, somebody who's been to church for a really long time, and they said that uh, another couple in church just asked them, like, every weekend, hey, would you go to church? No, I don't want to go to church. They said, they said, I finally just went so they would shut up. I finally just went so they'd leave me alone. And their life has never been the same. Right? And that's what that second story is talking about. Hey, I need some bread. I need some bread. I need some bread. You know, Annie has learned the word more, but she says mo. <clears throat> and so, you know, if she wants anything, she's like mo. You know, we, we have fruit snacks at Ground Zero. We sell them for a quarter. Every time she walks in the door, she's like, knack, 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 mo, mo. It's like, you don't need a snack. We're about to eat lunch. Knack, knack, mo, mo, mo. Fine, go get a snack. <laughs> right? Right? And she horsed that first bag down, and she's like, mo, mo, mo. No, you're not. We're leaving. Go get in the car. Right? You're not getting another snack. But it's that persistence. You know, think about in prayer. If you came up, when we, when we call you up for prayer, think if you came up. Number one, think if you didn't pray for yourself. You came up for somebody else. 
I want to pray for a coworker. I want to pray for a family member. I want to pray for somebody else. I'm not coming up for my needs. It's okay to come up for your needs. You need to. God wants to meet all your needs. But think if you didn't. Then think if you came up every week after that till it happened. You know, in the coffee bar, people come up and say, can I have my special? And, and, and Lou will know what drink to make. Think if you came up so much, the prayer person was like, do you want your special? Yeah, I, I will take my special. Right? And you just come in, and that's what that story's talking about every week. I'm coming back. See, you know what? We're not begging God to do something. We're beating the devil back saying, get out of my way because I have to get what belongs to me. Right? Because the devil wants to keep you from what God has for you. And you come up for prayer and you walk back to your seat and the devil tells you when you leave, well, nothing changed, nothing happened. And you think, well, that didn't work. Right? And you just keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming up front till they know what prayer you need. And then finally, you'll come up one Sunday and say, I got a praise report. What we've been praying for happened. What we've been praying for. And he's talking about being persistent and that willingness to do what nobody else is doing. That willingness to dig through the roof in your personal life, right? With your friends, having friends around you that will do the same for you. And then as a church coming together and doing that to save this city, to save this county. Amen. Bow your head and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage and the boldness to dig through the roof in our own lives to get face to face with you. Whatever's holding us back, whatever the roof is in our lives, that you would give us the boldness to begin to dig through it, the courage, the perseverance, that we wouldn't give up. Father, that if we've lost hope this morning, if we've given up this morning, that you would just reignite that hope in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would surround us with friends that would help us get face to face, that you would send those friends into our lives, that you would put those friends into our lives, that you would show them to us that they could help us. Father, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to be one of those friends, that you would show us how to do that and what that looks like. And when there's an opportunity to speak up in a person's life, when there's an opportunity to share the gospel, Jesus, that you would speak through us, that it's not our words are up to us, but that you would use us and direct us. And Father, I pray that we would come together as a church and that we would dig through the roof to get people in front of Jesus, that whatever that is, the roof of, of, of religion, that we would dig through that to to get people face to face with Jesus, that we wouldn't let anything hold us back. We wouldn't let anything keep us back. But Father God, that you would give us strength and courage. In Jesus' name, amen.